0: Welcome to the Fourth Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the Fourth Down Experience,
1: former
2: pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach in the South, Coach
0: Brian Jackson. This is Brian Jackson
3: and Christopher Huesby at the 4th Down Experience Podcast. We are so stoked for you guys, for everyone that's listening, because we are going to be interviewing Super Bowl champion, pro bowler, Lou Groser Award, you name it, Martin Gramacco We are so stoked to have him on the show. Hey, Martin, welcome to the 4th Down Experience Podcast. Uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it, and I'm uh, happy
0: to be on. I'm excited. I'm excited to fire away.
2: <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, Martin. You know, you are one of the kickers that we grew up watching, you know, in our, our livelihood of, of getting into football at a young age. So for us, it's super exciting to have you on. So thanks again. Oh,
0: thank you, guys. You're making me feel really old, though. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, no, nah, you're
3: no, you're not old at all. Um, now, Martin, this is uh, definitely um, special for me to speak with you. I, I'm from uh, Dothan, Alabama, and. When I made the transfer from soccer to kicking, which is about 90-plus percentile of us all that, that that has happened to, to Chris it didn't, but um, you were one of the one of the icons that I looked up to, uh, and no offense because I'm right there with you, uh, when I saw um, that you were more of a shorter statured kicker, that made me feel uh, confident that I had a chance to play at the college level and maybe even play at the level after that. And so I appreciate and thank you for just being that role model. And, you know, obviously you and Vinatieri were the guys that, that I like to model my form and, and just be able to say like, Hey, if, you know, five, eight guy and a five and eleven guy are able to, to, to do this. You know, I think I can do this too. So I really appreciate you. Well, I, well, I hope you, uh, you
0: copied uh, Adam more than me. That way you could play a little longer, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 I Good. <laughs> no, I said I I was a big fan of Adam too, coming into the league too, and, uh, and what's cool about it is when you meet him, such a good guy, and I, and not too many kickers can share a locker room with another kicker, you know, I had the chance to uh, spend some time with Adam and in Indy when he, he was actually having a, a, an adductor issue, so I was there for like four weeks, and just to be able to soak some of his uh, knowledge and work with him a little bit, and uh, it was amazing, so I, uh, you, you picked a good one to follow, this, that's for sure, uh, to me, for sure, uh, uh, should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, as the kicker, should be our, the, the first one
3: to ever go in, and uh, first ballot guy's amazing, what he's done. No doubt, and you know, so when I graduated high school in '03. i I'm about 10 years younger you than you, so when he won the Super Bowl, it was like my junior year in high school, so that that's probably why I was so keyed in on you, and I remember watching you play at Kansas State and just seeing the bombs that you'd kick, and I didn't really know much about the Luke Groza Award, and you won it, so, you know, that was kind of cool. Um, before we get too knee-deep in here, I don't know if Chris had any other intro remarks or any other <laughs> comments that he wanted to say.
2: You know, I, I'm sure you don't remember me, but I had actually had met you and all your brothers at, I think it was Houston uh, Aguiar's free agent camp one year. I think you were in between teams, and you were coming to maybe do the pro day and I, it was it was like, the day I met you was I think one of the tryout days for all the rest of us, you know, so, but I think you and all your brothers were there and I met you and it was, for me, you know, being a fan of the game, it was real cool to meet you.
0: Well, I appreciate that, but no, that was, uh, that was a great camp. I, I remember that the day specifically because I had been out, uh, I had an adductor issue and I had a surgery, so I had been out for a year, so, uh, you know, once you're out for a year and teams don't call you, you got to figure out a way to get in and try, try anything possible. So I, I knew Michael and, and I uh, was coming to do a to, to kind of, yeah, like a camp slash combine here. I said, I got to try to get my, get myself in front of some, uh, some coaches. So thanks to that, I was able to uh, get signed by New England. So I, you know, to, and I went in the preseason with him and went and went to camp with him. But um, so yeah, no, I remember that day uh, <laughs> like it was yesterday but it was the kickstart of my second part of my
2: career, so I, 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 I that would help me get back in the league Yeah And for all the listeners that are keyed in here uh, Martine uh, <laughs> played in, in the NFL from 99 to
3: 08 with the Bucks, the Colts, the Patriots uh, the Colts a little bit again kind of, uh, the Cowboys and the Saints, and obviously you know your career way better than we do um, Wikipedia is just nice to have sitting in front of you doing a podcast. Uh, so, um, what's really cool, Artyan, is you, you got drafted in the third round, which is pretty dope. I mean, can you talk about that experience in '99? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, the,
1: the, I think that that year we had Chris Brown was coming out, uh, and there was another
0: kid out of Tennessee, and the three of us were <clears throat> pretty much and neck-and-neck and neck to see who's going to get drafted. And, and I always have to go back and thank uh, Bill Snyder for letting me attempt that that 65-yard because that that kick separated me from the other kickers just because of the length of that kick. And, and if it wasn't for Coach Snyder allowing me to kick that uh, before half of the game, uh, I would have been... Who knows if I would have been the one or Chris Brown because we were really neck-and-neck. And, neck. and then... Um, <clears throat> The combine too—that's a huge uh, opportunity for kickers to try to separate themselves a little bit. And I, that's the one I went in there thinking I'm going to either kill it or shank them all because I'm going to try to kick the ball as hard as I possibly can, especially on you know, kickoff. That you know when you when you mentioned earlier, a smaller guy, and everybody was looking at that. You know, I was five eight, uh, 160 pounds, soaking wet. I just couldn't—I was—you know—I couldn't put muscle on, I couldn't put weight on, it, and they tried my whole. Life, and then I'm sitting next to uh, Chris Brown, who looks like a bodybuilder that could kick. You know, I'm thinking, like, man, they're looking at me, looking at him. There's no way. And uh, and just to get that
1: phone call, and for me, it was like coming home because uh, my brother Bill's kicking at USF. I grew up in Florida.
0: I got Fort Myers, there, in Belle, so it's uh, two and a half hours south of Tampa. So to get the phone call from Coach Dungey, it's uh, definitely a phone call that I'll never, never forget. Because, you' know, obviously coming out of college you'll play anywhere you're not you know you're not gonna be picky, you're going to be greedy you go wherever but to get drafted to the team that you actually want to go to because that's <laughs> almost like coming home uh, was was amazing I just never never would have dreamt it and and I always tell people I lived the, the American dream without it being my dream as a kid because I grew up playing soccer so my dream was so you know uh, play for Argentina, wear the Boca Juniors jersey, play soccer. I never thought I'd ever, in my wildest dreams, would end up, you know, playing American football ever. Martín, are, are you um, and your brother? Are y'all the only Argentinians, if you will, to play NFL? Yes, from what I from what I hear, yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's ever been any you know, uh, with, with family background from Argentina or not, but directly born because we were both born in Argentina, yes, both of us. And then uh, what's what's uh, the sad is that Sandel probably would have been the best of the three and he, uh, he ended up hurting that doctor in, in college. But uh,
1: he was by far the most accurate of the three and, and he was seven years <laughs> younger than I was. So
0: his leg strength was, was not there, you know, when we started. But then uh, he gradually kept getting stronger and, uh, you know, as kickers, you understand if you uh,
2: hurt your groin, that's not an that's not easy injury to come back from. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious here, uh, Martin, so you your path to kicking is very similar to probably 80% of the kickers out there. Started as a soccer player, then got kind of recruited by the kicking coach. So what was that experience like? Because obviously he was probably pulling you a little bit away from your dream. But I'm curious, how did you develop so well as a kicker to get noticed by Kansas State? Because back then, there really weren't kicking coaches. And so, like, how did that whole process work out for you to get that Kansas State opportunity?
0: Yeah, it was, um, you know, right place at the right time. But also, look, you know, we, we I had gone to Mexico to play soccer. And then I came back and I said, I'm going to finish high school. I had one more year of high school. I'll finish high school and then I'll decide if I'll either go back to play soccer and soccer really, at that time here in the United States, wasn't big. So there weren't really that many scholarships and there was really no professional league. So I was gonna, I was thinking about either moving back to Argentina to try to play soccer or, or try to go to Mexico. But I, that was it. I would never thought coming back from Mexico that I was going to start kicking. And that same year, the high school would, asked uh, Bill, he played the spring football the year before, really liked it. And then say said, why, why don't you try it? You can be varsity since you're older. I'll be JV. And then uh, we'll just try this out. And um, it was really our first practice. Uh, the coach came home. We had a restaurant and just came home and said, look, this kid is going to be awesome. He's going to go to college. He's going to be the pros. There's no question. And looking back, we really weren't that good. But the kicker prior to us was a lineman that kicked straight on. So <laughs> if the ball was anywhere near the goal, they were happy. So now you have two guys that kick Soccer style, they thought we were the best thing that ever happened to football. Which, when I watched some of the videos of us starting to kick, I said we were horrible, but uh, a lot better than than alignment, obviously. And um, and we, I was the first to uh, ever go Division One out of our school. So my our, our high school coach had no idea how to help us get recruited. How to uh, so I made a bunch of videos, uh, to highlight reels, tapes. But back then it was VHS, mm-hmm. and I started sending them out. And For some reason, I kicked for a guy in Naples, Florida. It's a little bit bigger town than where we grew up. And he was a very good friend of uh, Jim Leavitt, who was the uh, co-defensive coordinator at Kansas State. Their kicker in the spring had had a really bad game, so he went out and started looking for a kicker because he wanted somebody really just to kick off because he was a defensive guy, so he needed kickoffs. And I kicked really good for this guy in Naples. He called him up. I take my recruiting visit to Kansas State, which was... Uh, a recruiting business slash slash a tryout. You know, they're like, hey, bring your cleats and uh, go out with a kicker and punter. Just go have a good time to go kick some balls. And, you know, legally they can't really try you out, but I'm sure they had some cameras out there. And uh, I flew home with a scholarship in my hand. And uh, the next day I assigned it and sent it back. And it was, uh,
1: yeah, it was (coughs) by luck that I kicked for this guy in Naples. If not, uh, Jim Levy would
0: have never found me because he would drive through our town from Fort Myers to Imakali or Cluson to go recruit, you know that's where sort of the really good athletes so are out of Florida come on, you know the, the the top positions. So he would pass through our town to go recruit. So he never knew we had a high school team in in, in Labelle. So, uh, so yeah, like I said, it was uh, by accident.
3: Well, this is interesting because, um, and I'm curious because obviously tomorrow is signing day. We're recording this pod- podcast the the night before signing day. Um, you know. Do you by chance remember which month you uh, you got that scholarship? Oh, no, I know for a fact that it was very late. I, uh,
0: I took my recruiting <laughs> visit in June, which Manhattan, Kansas, in June is beautiful. It's nice and hot, sunny. You know, it, it reminded me of uh, Florida in, in the summertime, basically. It was very hot, and I didn't realize how cold it was going to get in the wintertime. But I, I found out quickly that the, uh, <laughs> the weather in Manhattan changed. But, yeah, no, I was a, I was a really late scientist. Uh, because uh, you know the the only all their offers I had were to walk on places, and then I wanted to stay in Florida. But every Florida school had really good kickers at the time, so they weren't looking to scholarship anybody. Um, I had gotten a scholarship offer from Notre Dame, which I had already filled out all the paperwork to accept it before I talked to Kansas State, and then uh, I figured I'd slunk out of Notre Dame, so i said i will go to Kansas State. So, so wow, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, My schooling wasn't my favorite thing to do, so I said, let me just go to, and you know, being a soccer player, I didn't know the tradition, so to me, go to Kansas State or go to Notre Dame, I just wanted to go where I felt like I was going to be more comfortable, I had no idea the tradition of what Notre Dame and what the school meant, I just knew it was a hard school academically, but I didn't know the football tradition, because I really wasn't a football fan before I started kicking. Right, and then next thing you know, you're nicknamed Automatica. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well yeah, it was, it wasn't easy. I, you know, they, they tell you how you're gonna be our kicker. I get there and I'm fifth in the depth chart. You know, they uh they put every kicker that was there, uh, ahead of you. So I'm thinking like, Man, there's no way I'm gonna be here in Manhattan, can't away from home and not play. So it it took a while to uh took a while but I ended up uh starting at the true freshman which was great So I didn't want to go to Manhattan and uh, not play. So, uh so yeah, it was uh in my first two years, you know, were not the best. I was 7 or 9 and 8 of 10. And then two days before uh, our junior year, i tear my ACL. We were doing a conditioning. My cleats get caught in the uh, turf. because that, the old, that was the old AstroTurf back then, kind of like a carpet. So
1: it was really yep. not the best to wear a cleats. But I had, you know, obviously my kicking shoe. I turned,
0: tear my ACL, and then after that, my junior and senior year was the you year. Know, my junior year was, you know, the best year career-wise percentage. I was nineteen or twenty, and kicked a few, a uh, couple of fifty-five yards, which I, I owe it all to the ACL tear because I had never really worked that hard before that. You know, soccer players, you just play, you stretch, you warm up, and you play. So now, with the therapy and all the um, the rehab I had to do for for my knee, uh, I just became a lot stronger, and 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 that helped me be become more accurate as well. So. Uh, so obviously, the injury that I thought was going to end my career was a uh, blessing, you know. At the end of the day, because of all the hard work that it took to get back. Were you able to punt too, Martine? You know, you know, shorter kickers don't surprise you. You know, I was just curious. <laughs> Were you also a punter. I was horrible at punting. It was a good <laughs> thing uh, our, we had a our, our fullback was the punter on the team, and he he could hit it hard. So I never really attempted it. I mean, I tried a few times. I messed around a little bit in practice, but. Uh, both my brothers, on and Bill, were actually really decent punters. They actually punted and kicked in high school uh, since we had a guy that was a senior and he had been punting with a fullback as well. Um, so I never really messed with, it, but I could never get the hang of it and could. I didn't have the flexibility. I wasn't. I wasn't the most flexible kicker. I was really, uh, really tight. So, uh, so punting was not. I could. I did a. Uh, I did a field goal punt once in a game. And that was it. So, uh, after that, I retired will
1: retire the, the funding issue. Uh, I, I in, one inside the 20. I'm good to go.
3: So, what's interesting, Martin, looking at your, your NFL career, obviously you played um, for, looks like, four years for the Bucks, And then uh, several teams after that, it was almost like you kind of turned uh, a comparison for me playing arena football. But that was kind of my niche for nine years. Um, the second half for my Nine years of about four or five years, I was known as the emergency kicker. One of these guys that either get hurt or start missing extra points yeah. in the arena leagues. Um, it, it almost you know, you almost kind of turn into the emergency kicker because what's cool here is you replaced Terry twice for two different teams, you know, <laughs> yeah, while he was hurt. Maybe yeah. talk about that with the Pats and the
0: Colts. Well, it was tough because my um, the year of the uh, Super Bowl, I started to feel some pain in my adductor, and they couldn't really diagnose it. They were saying it was a strain, it could be a hernia. So I, you know, started uh, around week five or six, and it was really painful. But I was able to work work through it. So I we finished the season, and, and uh, the team doctor said, "Well, you have a hernia." I said, "Great, let's fix it." You know, the next day or two days after the Super Bowl you know we we're actually two days after our parade we did the the, the the victory parade you do two days later I'm they're fixing my ad I'm thinking that's great I'll, I'll never deal with it again and they misdiagnosed that they did a a, hurt, uh, a hernia mesh, and I just was never right after that so I, it was hard for me to uh, stick on the team because I would I would end, I would do okay and then my groin would either give out or, or, or strain or pull it, and I just couldn't, uh, and my last two years in Tampa were not the greatest, because I, I went, after the hernia surgery, I went with that, I mean, severe pain in my abs for two years, until I went to Philadelphia and got it fixed right, um, but, you know, as a kicker, once they mess with your groin, and you don't feel com- confident that your is going to be pain-free, uh, it just, uh, just, I just never felt right, and it was, it took the fun out of football, honestly, because I spent more time in doctors, training rooms, cortisone shots, so uh, so anytime you know somebody would call, I'd come in, play three or four games, once their guy either was healthy, that was an Adam's cape, then I'd be released, try to find somewhere else to go. Um, in Dallas, I had signed a two-year deal, so I thought, okay, I'll be okay here, I'll stick here, and then they, they draft Nick Folk, and I really... Um, you know, the, the coach there, okay, uh, Wade Phillips just never, <clears throat> I never had a chance. I mean, I could just tell that, you know, you could tell when the coach doesn't like you or wants to bring in his own guy. So, uh, so that didn't work out either. Uh, New Orleans was the first place where I really felt, besides Tampa, obviously, that I felt at home, I felt like they really wanted me there. I made the team and then uh, five, five weeks, uh, five or six weeks into the season, I uh, my, pulled my groin, hamstring, and quad at the same time. It was mm. like, my oh, lady was awesome. <clears throat> I think my legs. said, that's enough. So that's uh, that's 2008, that's when I retired. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not fun being the emergency kicker because a lot of times you're you're out of a job and you have to be ready for when you get that call. So it's hard to go from, you know, winning a Super Bowl, being in an NFL team, and now you're practicing and you're kicking in a, uh, in a park by yourself. Just to you know, that's not not the easiest thing to do but you know you had to do it just to stay in shape because you don't you don't want to get that phone call and then not be ready so uh so yeah the last few years were not what i would consider fun because of all the injuries and the pain you know but uh the first four and obviously winning the super bowl and all that that was uh amazing that was definitely a lot of fun
1: yeah how
0: was the pro bowl in 2000 in did you go to hawaii yeah Bowl well, was uh It was great because I got to share, you know, the promo with uh, Matt Stover, who who I had looked out. you know, obviously as a young kicker, you always look at the veteran guys to try to, uh, Pete Sojanovic was one of my favorite, uh, Gary Anderson, you know, uh, uh, ex-soccer player, so I I really, and he was a a smaller guy, like you said, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy, so I really uh, watched Gary, but Pete Sojanovic, and then Matt Stover, what really stuck with me with Matt Stover is um, as I went, this was my second year, He was telling me, that, oh, I changed my approach, and I lost some strength, but I'm very accurate from 50 in. I can pretty much feel like I missed. And as a young kicker, I'm thinking, like, this guy's out of his mind. I want to kick 60 yards. I want to kick 65. I would never change my approach to be more accurate, but not as far. You know, that's the mentality of a young kicker, and that's probably why I ended up hurting my groin and not not lasting as long as some of these guys that figured, well, I may not be kicking 60 yards, but... I can swing a little smoother and make everything else. So that was uh, that's something that stuck with me, and I wish I uh, I wish I'd have taken his advice as a young kicker. But when you're young, you think you're invincible. You know that's uh, that's the problem. But uh, but Matt Story was awesome to share that week with and, and learn and and, and pick his brain all week.
2: Well, speaking of that, uh, that's actually a real good opportunity here for the younger kickers. You know, what advice do you have for those? kickers who just want to go out and kick 50 55 yarders all day in your opinion what's what's realistic for aspiring kickers to do in their own kicking sessions where you know maybe kicking a 65 yarder all day isn't isn't quite worth it injury wise
0: no absolutely I, well the, the best advice is uh, get a great warm-up you know a lot of times when we're young we just swing our leg and, and for me I look back and that was probably the biggest mistake of my career um, when I my first year at Kansas State, actually my sec, my first year yeah. I told the kicking coach at the time um, who wasn't a big fan of mine because I, I was signed when he was on vacation so you know once they signed the kicker and the kicking coach on vacation he, he probably <laughs> felt a little disrespected so I, I wasn't his favorite guy let's put it that way and so I go one day to practice I said look coach I feel better when I don't warm up or when I don't stretch I warm up a little bit and I start kicking He's like, well if you, if, if you feel better like that then go ahead and do it and I I think that would have been that was probably the worst advice ever by a coach because my key to any kicker is get a good warm up and injury prevention because you could be a great kicker but once you tweak something muscular or anything it's going to throw everything off so the warm up core strength um, I worked out with Matthew Shelstone in New Orleans who's a uh, trainer I mean, he does he trains Serena now he's uh, trained a lot of kickers I mean he's uh, he does like specific training per uh, position. And I never felt better in my life because we worked a lot of core, a lot of flexibility, a lot of stretching. And then he taught me a proper warm-up. So to me, that's the key. And then, obviously, as as you get stronger, then you can back up the kicks. But a lot of times you see kids, you know, want to kick 65, you know, 50, 65 yards, and then they spend all all practice doing that. And that's just, uh, first of all, you create bad habits, and then um, you can injure yourself. So my recommendation to them is just get as many as you need Short distance, make sure your accuracy is there, and then you can finish it off with one or two long ones just to see how far you can hit. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit back then and kick fifty-five yards all day because then that's, uh, that's another thing. I overloaded my leg early on too in my career uh, with the Bucks. You know, we had a veteran punter, so obviously the uh, the special teams coach is not going to mess with the punter. So now he has to justify, you know, his job so that go and kick a hundred balls and let and and that to me I think overworked my leg early on in my career. I think that's why uh, I ended up injuring myself uh, towards the end.
2: Yeah. I'm curious, Martin, you know, we're only six years apart. I know in my high school and college career, I went to three kicking camps my whole career because it was such a rarity. I'm just curious, where in your career, either college or pros, did you like see a kicking coach to just work on your technique?
0: Yeah, see, I, I was fortunate that at Kansas State we had uh, Sean Snyder, which was uh, Bill Snyder's son. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was a punter, all American punter at Kansas State, and he was trying to go to the NFL, so he was training to go to the NFL. and uh, any any time that he didn't make the team or was released, he'd come back. So he ended up coming back and working with us. You know, he'd come out and punt, and while he was doing his own workout, he would work with kickers and the punters, and he was a phenomenal, phenomenal kicking coach. Because when I started kicking, I would kick, uh, coming from soccer, I would hit the ball just as hard as I needed to. So like an extra point, I would hit it, you know, 50%. Cause, you know, <laughs> 20 yards, you don't have to kill it. Yeah. You know, then i back up and kick it a little bit harder. And, then, and he's like, no, you have to kick every single ball the same way. And that's where I found, I don't know if you guys noticed, my steps aren't, two back and three over, or three back. I'd, I'd just go out on an angle. Uh, I just felt free. that I, I, I didn't want it to be real robotic, but I did find a way to set up at the same place every time. Where before, when I got to Kansas State, I would take a one-step extra point, maybe a two-step, you know, 40-yarder, and then if it was longer, I'd take a little bit longer approach. So it was li- really a mess. And he's the one that, you know, we found the perfect form, the perfect... Uh, a you know, starting point, and then uh, and and then slowly started, you know, finding my style and where I needed to stand and when the, when I needed to start my approach and all that. But but yeah, I was lucky that to have Sean uh, Sean Snyder at Kansas State. If not, we really didn't have a kicking coach. We had a special teams coach, but not a kicking coach. So uh, having Sean there uh, definitely uh, helped my career for sure. Nice, uh, Martin. Just kind of getting into some of the technique
3: mechanical sides. We we know you've. Um, Uh, taught kickers and and held kicking camps especially in in South Florida and other places Um, when when you talk about foot angle you know when you're going to the ball and you're making foot to ball contact right? you know and and the the three terms that I've grown to know whether it be around other kicking coaches and me being kicking coach myself or just whatever you know the the three that I that I've kind of come to know is you have what's called a wedge kick which is literally your foot's of sideways like you're doing an instep soccer pass and you're just coming in you know activating your groin heavily to try to get more height all right and then you have um kind of an in-betweener where your foot's a little bit flat but but kind of turned and that's kind of called a hybrid wedge where you're you're still trying to activate a little bit of the quad but you're still wanting to get the height and then you have the the other side of it which for me personally was my preference which is what i call 100 percent soccer style where you have that ankle rolled over flexed toe diagonally down kind of like a power shot soccer is the, is the analogy I use for kids like if you wanted to hit a line drive shot at the goalie on a penalty kick that's kind of what I would tell kids like hey roll your ankle this is going to activate your quad and hit the tarsal bone in your foot you know those are three things that I generally have heard and also have said to kids and you know it works for different guys, different body sizes. I'm just curious, from your vantage point, with your experience over your career, obviously having some groin issues. And granted, we had the medical staff that had, you know, the misdiagnosis, etc. You know, what do
0: you teach? What do you think is right, or, or what do you think works for different body types, etc. On foot to ball contact. Yeah, what what I like to do, and, and I, I don't do much kicking now. My brother's son; I was a, specialized in the kicking. and I'm a I've been coaching soccer now, but when I let the kids kick first, and mm-hmm. then from there I'll determine what form is best for them because I I don't like there's certain coaches that teach one way, and it could be a six foot five kicker and a five foot eight, and they're teaching that one way to kick, and that's just not yes. right because everybody's different. So what I like to do is. The first session, I just let them go kick and just show me what you... If, they're, if, they, if they are somewhat experienced, if it's their first day kicking, then obviously you got to show them everything. But if they're like, Oh, I've been kicking, but I need some help, so then just kick, and then from there you you determine. I think the, the bigger, stronger kids can get away with a wedge kick. Um, yeah. I think the majority of them will probably be the hybrid, like you were saying, the hybrid wedge. The smaller guys, like for me, my style was more... Like you said, the third option, you know, the, hit the laces, power shot, like a soccer, soccer ball. Um, and, and what helped me, I had a, you know, a really small foot. I wore a size six uh, kicking shoe. So I was able to get under the ball without having to use the wedge. If you try to kick my style and you have a size 11 shoe, you're going to hit the ground every time and you won't be able to make solid contact, contact on the ball. So having a small foot helped me be able to, and in my case, big angle. Um, it was it was so drastic that uh, my first one of my first practices in, in at the Bucks, you know, the coach went the the ground and said, "Look, I'm afraid you're going to slip. You, you your angle so so um, so sharp and so aggressive. You know, being five eight, 150 pounds, I had to use every ounce of my body and leg speed. So more more than being a strong kicker, I was a quick kicker. So I had to come in hard and I had to swing my leg hard. So uh, my, my style was a little bit different because of that, you know, just being smaller, I had to use every ounce of energy where like the bigger tickers can take that slower approach and use all leg swing and, and use the wedge. Um, I don't, there's not one way that I like to teach. I just like to see them kick first. And then depending on how they're hitting the ball, I can modify it a little bit. Uh, the biggest thing is making sure they're wearing the right shoe. A lot of these kids are wearing the shoes the cleats are too big and they're <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're like a
3: wedge shot in golf. You know, they're chipping grass everywhere. So that's the biggest thing, adjusting their shoes, right? And it, it even goes further on that, too, Martine. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, it, I remember when the Ronaldo, and when I say Ronaldo, I'm talking about Brazil Ronaldo. <laughs> right, you know, the R9. When, you know, and, and it, nothing against Cristiano Ronaldo, but Brazil R9. When that, when that Nike Mercurial silver, blue, yellow cleat came out, uh, and that was when you were in the NFL. Um, that's the cleat that I got in high school. And that's when I was just ripping 68, 70-yard touchbacks as a sophomore, you know, in 2000. And then uh, and then they, like, the, the, wor- the thing that I regretted is, like, not telling my parents, hey, like, let's buy, like, four or five of these. Because like, right. this, this is the boot. Like, this is the boot for me. I'm crushing it, like, and then, you know, I don't know if they went out of stock or whatever, um, and then they just they weren't available, or they were just, like, too expensive or whatever the case may be. And then I used a different cleat the next year, and my touchback percentage, or really just the depth of touchback yardage dropped significantly, and I still was in great shape soccer-wise and and lifting weights and all that. And I always just, like, reflected backwards, like, man, it's just the cleat. Even, like, now we're just trying on cleats. I just think guys need to, when they find that cleat that they're hitting their A ball or their B plus B ball, they, they need to just go ahead and talk to their parents or whatever they need to do, get a sponsorship, someone to help them out and get like four or five pairs of those cleats because you just never know when that boot goes out of stock or out of style. No, that's a great point. I, I was lucky I, I wore the Copa, so the Copa still a traditional shoe. <laughs>
0: that's I, what I, uh, I, that's really what I think. I like the uh, well. I like the leather, and I like once it molded to my foot, then it, it felt like a glove. You know, it's not the not the easiest shoe to break in, especially when I'm you know I normally wear a eight tennis shoe and I'm wearing a six cleat, so uh, it was it was tough to break in. But once I broke it in, it just felt comfortable. And, and you're absolutely right. If you don't feel a hundred percent comfortable with a shoe, or uh, or even with your plant foot, I see some guys use like the football cleat. I like the six studs, so I wear I would wear the World Cup on the uh, left. I, I wanted to make sure when I planned it, I wasn't going anywhere. And then I put the uh, extra long spike and then uh, regular mold it on, uh, on the right foot. So every kicker is a little different. They like their style, but you like like you said, if you find that shoe that you're comfortable with, uh, that's the way to go. I, I always recommend either the Copa or the uh, Tiempo, the Nike Tiempo, because it's a leather shoe. So once it molds to your foot, um, and, the, and now with the technology, there's a lot of the, the synthetics that are, you know, they fit like a sock. Uh, I just never those when I was kicking weren't available, so I'm not a fan of those. I never really get. I, I don't even wear those for soccer now. When I when I kick around with a kid, I just don't feel right. I need to have a nice, heavy leather shoe. Um, that's just how I felt and and how I feel comfortable. But um, yeah, I tried Nikes, I couldn't do it. And tried Pumas, I couldn't do it. If I didn't have the cope on my right foot, I I felt comfortable, which was. It was hard because we had a Nike deal in college, you know, and you're you're only supposed to wear what what the what the team gives you, and I and I would so I would have my shoe guys saw a swoosh on my Copa <laughs> just to be able to use my Copa in college. <laughs> yeah, Martine, I'm just sitting here just going back and forth
3: on your 65 yarder at Kansas State, and like on this old school AstroTurf, which is what we kicked in an arena ball. And uh, yeah. what's what, first off, real quick, what's on your right knee? What's wrapped around your right knee? Well, that was um, that was after the
0: ACL surgery, so I always wore a, uh, a sleeve, and being from Argentina, I wore a blue one and then put a uh, white tape, and I'm a, I was a big fan of Verón, I don't know if you remember, uh, Verón, the soccer player, he would wear that for his uh, patella tendinitis. Uh, nice. So, I I figured, look, I'm going to, you know, he's one of my favorite players, he wears that, I have to wear the sleeve, I'm from Argentina, so the whole... It was a whole, uh, a whole, uh, you know, good luck combination, and and I kicked with a uh, knee sleeve my whole career. Even, even though I I, I would take it off in practice at times, I would kick fine, but in my mind I felt like you know after that ACL surgery I needed the, uh, the uh, sleeve, the knee sleeve, uh, uh, and then I was when you get to the NFL you got to put these socks up so you can't really see the, the the
3: the tape and all that. But but yeah, I always swore the sleeve. Martin, so I mean you know probably what a lot of people that are listening still yet are is wondering, you know, how is a five foot eight frame one hundred and sixty, dripping wet generate so much leg power and leg speed. And one of the things just watching this, I, I don't, I, I think I watched this a long time ago. It's, it's been a while. Your, your tempo to the ball, like you said, it's aggressive, it's quick, but it's so symmetric, like it's so symmetrical and in sync. And then your are just leg whip through is just so fast and powerful. Like, you know, is that something that just kind of came natural from swinging your legs as a soccer player, you know, for many years as a young kid? Like, did you do certain exercises to generate so much leg speed and power and torque through the ball? Well, you know, we, uh, you, know, from, you know, from when
1: we were young, we, we kicked the ball hard. I remember playing soccer in Argentina and, and the thing that
0: stuck to you as a kid, you know, the, the parents would talk about how, how hard this kid kicks. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just shooting a soccer ball. Um, and then Bill, when we were kids, he, uh, he kicked hard. I mean, he broke a kid's wrist, uh, just taking a shot in soccer, you know? So we always kicked the ball hard, but I, the only exercise that I ever did was because back then, you know, you played soccer, you really didn't lift anything. I would use a, uh, cinder block when I was oh. a kid and I would use that as a, like a, like a leg press type, like a leg race. So I would sit there just standing up, grab the cinder block, put my foot through one of the squares and then just lift it. And that was my workout for my just to strengthen my leg when I was, you know, playing soccer. That's it. That's the only time I ever worked out. And the first time I literally hit a uh, weight room was when I got to college. And I threw my back out doing, uh, you know, clean and jerk or those Olympic lifts. And from then on, they modified my workout to, you know, the first day and then the weight room was kind of embarrassing that girls' volleyball players were lifting more than I was. So I uh, said so this. <laughs> This is not for me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I, it, I think it was just natural. And, and like I was saying, you know, I was so light and small that I had to use that leg speed. So I I used a lot of momentum. You know, um,
3: my my approach was very fast. When you're looking at the ball and you're going to make contact, uh, where are you aiming at on on the ball? You know, like if if you were telling a young kicker, hey, this is where you want to make. Tarsal contact, tar- tarsal bone, foot to ball contact. Which part of the ball are you telling them to kick at?
0: Yeah, well, if you're looking at the
3: the college balls,
0: it's uh, you you see where they have the, the 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 laces, and then you have the white uh, the white part on the laces side. I tell a little bit on the other side, right right under that. Um, and for me, it was it was easy because my foot being small, if I as long as I drag my foot and I don't catch, then that's perfect uh sweet spot. You know, so I didn't so some guys, you know, they they don't they barely even hit the ground. They have to lift their leg up a little with their foot up or they have to drag it more because they have bigger foot. So in my case I was able to drag my toe perfectly on the ground and that was that would be the sweet spot. Um and and you know, some guys even mark it like uh, you know, the Los little saliva, the little spit, you know, you, put, you mark it for a kickoff so that way you can visualize where the sweet spot is. And I make kids do that on the kickoffs, so that way they can see it. And sometimes, you on know,
2: field goals until they get that rhythm and they figure out where the sweet spot is. Martin, I'm curious, what was the Super Bowl experience like for you? Because you kind of had a fantastic start to any career, getting drafted, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl. I mean, that was a real phenomenal start. Like, what was the Super Bowl pro- uh, experience like?
0: Well, the Super Bowl was the whole. The whole week was amazing, and then and the thing with us that that Super Bowl was, you played the championship game, which we played Philadelphia in Philly, and then the next week was the Super Bowl, so it wasn't a two week span. So um, I remember, I think we landed in Tampa after the Philly game, uh, you know, two three in the morning, and then we were flying to San Diego by six a.m. So we were. We had time just to go home, pack our bags, and then head over to San Diego. So it was really a quick turnaround. Um, the biggest memory is uh, I had the worst warm up of my life. I couldn't hit a thing, and I, and I and it's, I mean it's obvious that it was nerves. But it got to the point where the special teams came up, coach came up to me, uh, Rich Bisaccia, and he's like, "Hey, are we going to have to go for a two all game?" Like he was trying to. Make me snap out of it, or maybe he was crapping his pants too because I couldn't make a kick, and I and I just kept telling myself this cannot be happening. There's no way today's the day that I can't make a kick. I got to snap out of it, and I think having such a bad warm up helped me focus so much more in the game. You know, I was so focused, I I was so afraid of missing because I was so bad in warm up that I, it was kind of like a zone where I didn't even like remember talking to anybody, not even the punter, not even the holder. Uh, the snapper. I was just kind of like so stressed out because of the warm-up was so bad um, that once I made the first one, we kicked a uh, uh, 34 yard, I believe it was. Once we made that, I kind of calmed down and, and it felt like a normal game after that. But and prior to that, I was not. I was uh, not happy. I was a little stressed. And on top of that, you have that the longer uh, anthem, the longer halftime. So I had a lot of time to think about how bad I was kicking. So it was
1: not not. <laughs> Not fun at the beginning, but uh, but afterwards, <laughs> I was the right... Mix. And that was a really
0: particular Super Bowl, because the year prior was when Benetieri kicked the game winner. So I would think before that, the kickers kind of went unnoticed. But since Adam had kicked the game winner the year before, all the questions were like, what's going to happen if it comes down to a kick? What's going to come? You know, I could think is either you're going to be Adam Benetieri and be, you know the happiest guy in the world or are you going to be Norwood where you're not going to be allowed back in Tampa so it was a stressful week thinking about that because I would think that before Adams game winner they weren't really talking to kickers too much in the Super Bowl but after that it was like and that was the year we took the uh, Raiders with uh, uh, Janikowski so they just bombarded us with questions about you know, any potential game winner luckily we were we were uh, up by so much I was able to enjoy the fourth quarter
2: Nice. Do you uh, where's your Super Bowl ring? Do you have it on display?
0: No, I keep it. Uh, I keep it in the safety plastic box, and I bring it out once a year for my uh, kids' uh, Great American teaching. So I, 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 my kids love to show it off. I bring the whole uniform. I dress them up, and then I uh, take pictures of the kids. They take with a ring. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so big and uncomfortable that it's really not. It's awkward to wear it anywhere. I wore it to one event. And I just didn't feel right. I'm like, man, I just don't feel right wearing this big old ring. Even though it is a Super Bowl ring, I just didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, as you were going through
3: playing, you know, and you referenced uh, Gary Anderson and some other legends, you know, when you started playing, you know, three, four, five years in and then towards later in your career, you know, what were some notable kickers kind of coming in that you're like, man, you yeah, know, this kid right here, this kid over here, these guys are going to be some studs that, that's, that stuck around, you know? Like, kind of talk about. Because a lot of these kickers this, these days, and they, like these days, the high school, they have, like, they don't know who any of us are. And I, I didn't play in the NFL, I played in the Release. But, like, it, they don't know who Tynes is. A lot of people don't know who Akers is. They don't know who you are. Like, and it's nothing against y'all. It's just. Social media, everyone is just, like, so present tense, and I think it prevents a lot of kids from from doing research, and, and then they find out, oh, wow, who's, who's this Martine
1: Grammatica guy that played, you know, for almost 10 years? You know, like, who were some kickers that you saw, like, oh, yeah, these, this kid, he's a young buck, he's going to be a stud? Well, definitely um, Nick Folk, when I was in
0: Dallas, they drafted him, and he was a 60-some percent kicker in high school, um, college, and then all of a sudden... You know, it doesn't make it miss a kick uh, in camp. I mean, he literally did not miss one kick. I had the best camp of my life. I only missed two, but you know, obviously, when he missed a zero, and uh, I didn't feel like I had a good chance there. Then uh, uh, Gaskowski, I mean, with a with with a you know with uh, uh, New England, he came in. He was wearing a a, a receiver shoe to kick. So I think I. I helped his career out by saying, look, you should wear a kicking shoe. And I didn't tell him that because I was competing against him, but he noticed that I wore a kicking shoe. So he switched over to uh, the Nike Tempo. So I think that, that might have uh, had a good... Because uh, he was he was not great at the beginning, but he had a huge leg. Um, and I know uh, the one guy that that was I was impressed with his leg strength, um, Rob Baronis, and Rest in Peace. I know he's, he passed away. But he I remember he came to Tampa. He was an arena guy. And I remember I'm warming up and I see balls flying over my head, like literally flying like rockets. I'm thinking like, the going on. I turn around, he's warming up from 60 and easily clearing the bar. And, and But he was so nervous at practice. He was throwing up. He was one of the guys that you think he's got huge potential, but he's got to get his head right. And then once he got, you know, in rhythm and, and uh, he played for the Titans for a few years. He had a phenomenal, I think, believe I kicked a 60 or 61 yarder in the game. He had a great career. Uh, I was
3: impressed uh, watching him kick live. How strong his leg was. You know, speaking on that, like when we played, I played Arena when I started was in, was in 08. and uh, man, for like three or four years there, there was like this stigma of like. If you go arena, you might as well just count yourself out for NFL. Like I, we didn't know what the deal was. You know, then when Baronas, you know, showed it, it was like, oh, thank God, we finally got someone an arena wise to go in and do well. But still, there was just some kind of stigma. Cause di- didn't one of your brothers play arena ball as well? Yes, Bill. Uh, well, Bill played. He was drafted to the Cardinals, and then he played for the Cardinals.
0: And then when he was out of the NFL, he played for a year here in Tampa. Um, but you know, to the, to the Storm. Yeah, once, he played for the Storm. Uh, once you play in the NFL, to go to the arena, I think that's that, that's kind of hard to do because you 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 experience all the amenities of the NFL. Now you're you don't have that. Um, he had a tough time, and it was it just didn't uh, he wasn't comfortable. He didn't really didn't enjoy it as much. But I, he was doing it. As the same way, just try to get back in, do it, get a couple of years in the arena, and possibly try to get back in the NFL. But uh, what do you think um, about this day and age, Martin? Like,
3: do you think guys that are still just trying to get film and still keep kicking, like, do you think it's different now? You know, I just saw Ernesto Lacayo who's who's 33, and he it was kind of cool because he said he looked up to me as Marina kicker, and we're almost the same age practically, <laughs> and he just signed with the XFL after playing nine years of arena football do you think it's different now you know if guys want to try their arena indoor football league route they still can have a chance to make it to the nfl well yeah especially with the xfl now the xfl
0: i think is going to give guys another uh chance and and even probably a better chance than, than arena because now it's the same environment you're outside you're same goalpost, same distance and so if you can do it there and then the NFL may look at you, uh, but uh, but definitely um, the the need for kickers. It, I think is greater now because the extra point rule ha- has really messed with some guys' head. You know, some that some guys that were phenomenal now with the extra point being backed up and missing a few. I think it's uh, that's hurt, that's hurt a few guys, and that's why this. Cause <coughs> you think about it, I mean Tennessee, I think went to four kickers this year, and that back in the day, it was not unheard of. You know, you may change one, two max at, if, for in case of injuries, but to have guys really kick home really bad and then have them replaced, um, you didn't hear that too much. Uh, uh, this year, we've, you've had turnaround on a lot of teams, you know, where they've had more multiple kickers on, on the roster, and I think a lot of that's because of the extra point, but the XFL, XFL and the <coughs> arena guys... Definitely, okay. Looks because there's so many,
2: so much need for kickers now. So, Martin I'm curious. You know, you've been out of the league now for 12 years, I guess, 11 years. What do you do these days to stay busy? Do you still stick around football, best you can? Well,
0: I do. Uh, I started doing the uh, Spanish broadcast for the Buccaneers uh, nice. last year, two years ago. So that's that's got me involved uh, with the Bucs and watching a lot more football. Um, so yeah, so I, I love doing that. That's been that's uh, been a lot of fun. But before that, I've been coaching soccer. I have uh, have three kids. I have a thirteen year old and eleven, and my little girl's eight. So I coach my oldest uh, in soccer, and then my daughter uh, in soccer, and then my middle one. He's the yeah, uh, he's the crazy one that wants to be a kicker. I don't know why he wants to do that, but he uh, <laughs> he had a really good year this year. He's uh, the only sixth grader in his school to to make the JV. Well, they all make the JV, but. Um, or the, the middle school team, but he was the only sixth grader that got play time because he was a kicker. So he kicked uh, a lot of extra points this year. They didn't attempt any field goals, but uh, it was good to. They were the only team that actually had a kicker that kicked extra points at, at middle school level. So that was good for him. So so that's what he wants to do. And <clears throat> I found him a really good kicking coach. Some I was going to kick coach him up for me. So uh, as long as I don't have to coach him up, I said uh, your uncle can coach you and uh, <laughs> you can try kicking. So so yeah. So he's uh, he's our kicker.
2: Nice. Okay, so when you're doing the Spanish analyst work, are you talking about the full game, or do you do special teams analyst work when you're doing that?
0: No, no, I do the uh, color for the whole game. And, wow. Um, yeah, what's nice about it is I started doing. We did it. We started uh, uh, two years ago, and our audience is um, they love the game, but they don't really understand the mm-hmm. game a lot of the time, and and they couldn't under, they couldn't learn it because of most of our our listeners. Speak very little English, so it's very our broadcast. We have to dissect everything from the bottom, as far as explaining what an interception is, what a fumble. <clears throat> um, for example, the first game we called the the two com the, the comment. I do the color, the play by play guy thought any time the ball hit the ground was it an, was a an, uh, fumble. So an incomplete pass, we call it a fumble. A uh, <laughs> so I'm educating my. Uh, partners as well as the audience because it's uh, it's just a new sport for a lot of the hispanics so so it's a really nice thing because we, we hear so much feedback in the community where they're like well if it wasn't for the Spanish broadcast we watch it but we don't know what's going on now they they turn the TV on they mute the TV and they put the radio on so they could uh, they could understand what's going on so it's pretty cool to, to get the feedback on the, with all the fans here in Tampa
2: Well it's awesome. And by the looks of it, uh, on your Twitter account, you have the Gramatica Family Foundation. What's that all about? What do you guys do there?
0: Yes, we, um, uh, seven years ago, we started building homes for combat wounded veterans. And um, we started with a group out of Texas, Operation Finally Home. And I don't know if you guys know J.R. Martinez, he did uh, Dancing with the Stars. So we were uh, playing at a flag football game at the Super Bowl. And, uh, we started talking. They built homes for veterans all over the country. and thought, We, we, we want to partner up with you guys uh, in Tampa and see if we can get it going. So now uh, we're seven years in and built seven, six homes. We're, we're, we're in the process of finishing our seventh, uh, hopefully, in the next couple months. So, so yeah, it's, uh, for us, uh, not being born in the United States, we appreciate the freedoms and everything this country gives us. And we want to thank our veterans, and that's why we started the foundation. We have great community support, great people on our board, and and, uh, and our family all involved. So it's uh, it's a pretty nice way to thank uh, the veterans for all their sacrifice. And uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so it's been nice to do and 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 to get to know these guys and become friends with the guys that we build the homes for.
2: Oh, well, that's incredible! And for people who are listening, if you do have interest in donating to what they do, we will put the GramaticaFamilyFoundation.org uh, website in the show notes. Mart- appreciate that, guys. For sure. And, Martin, as we get close to the end here, we have some, some fun fan questions for you. All right? So, All right. over the course of your career, who have been some of your favorite coaches that you've had in your in your career, college or NFL? Well, I have
0: to say, uh, starting with college, you know, uh, Jim Leavitt, obviously, uh, finding me and going <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to LaBelle, Florida, and nobody... Would ever thought a kicker would come out of there? He was great. Uh, then I Bill Snyder, my head coach at Kansas State, was phenomenal. And then uh, when I came to the pros, I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better coach. And and uh, Tony Dungy, you know, he and I tell him every time I see him, I said, "You spoiled it for me." Because once you play for for Tony Dungy, uh, nobody can reach uh, the type of man that he is, the coach. I mean, he's uh, just such a great person, such a great leader. You know, he he makes you a better person. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to, to play for Coach Dungeon. He's, uh, he's, he, you know, he makes you a way better person, not just a better player. And, uh, and then winning the Super Bowl with, uh, with Gruden. You know, Gruden, uh, he's probably one of the hardest-working coaches uh, you'll ever meet. He loves football. He's passionate a lot about football. And I would tell him that his, uh, his pregame speeches are very counterproductive because the Saturday night speech... You're ready to go run through a wall. Now you have to go to bed to rest with the game. So it's like he's such a motivator. He's amazing too. So, so I was fortunate uh, to play for some great coaches. Nice. Bill Parcells in, in Dallas brought me in. Um, you know, he he's a coach that you know he he fired the high, the highest paid kicker in the league at the time, uh, Vanderjack, and brought me in with five games left in the season when I had been out of football for a year and a half. So. And I'm always going to be grateful to him because I was able to kick. That was my first kick as a dad. So uh, my son was able to witness my kick. So for for me, it's one of the most memorable kicks of my career to to be able to uh, kick a game winner in in New York after being out a year and a half and and being a dad. That was uh, uh, one of my favorite kicks that I've ever kicked.
2: Nice. Now, do you stay in touch with any of the kickers from your era still?
0: yeah yeah I talked to a few I mean I was, when we run into each other it's like we were best friends like we, we did, you don't lose a beat but I stay in touch with uh, the mostly the punters that hailed for me of you know, Tom Tupa uh, Mark Rose lives in the area um, and then uh, I see, you see a lot of these guys at the charity events and you catch up I, I recently spoke to Mike Hollis uh, from Jacksonville uh, so yeah you Stay in touch with a few. Uh, everybody's so busy with their life, you know. Uh, it was nice to see Adam Benateri, uh, he was actually injured when they played the Bucks, but I got my, my son got to meet him. I said, Look, this is uh this is the first Battle Hall of Fame kicker and uh the the, the the role model for any kicker, so it was it was cool to see him and uh it's how humble and nice he still was. You know, I figured after all this year I hadn't seen him in, in a year, I hope he does a big time and then, uh, And yeah uh, <laughs> and he did he's a great guy.
2: Nice. All right. Besides the Super Bowl, what are two of or three of your favorite memories of your career?
0: Oh, well, yeah, the Super Bowl that's an easy one, but um, the um, I would say the 55 yarder in uh, at Kansas State that that kick I'll I'll never forget. i um, that my legs went numb from celebrating, you know, and, still, and that was halftime.
1: So I, I still had to come back and kick in the second half. So um, that that was uh, amazing. Um, we played
0: uh, Carolina, and we won. Twelve to nine with four field goals, but we kicked uh, three of them in the fourth quarter, and two were 50 yards and 50 plus. And then their the game winner was uh, 47. That that game I'll never forget because it was uh, it was pretty cool the way everything worked out. And I think that that was one of the games that gave us a ton of momentum to that Super Bowl run. I thought uh, that was uh, that was a, a fun game. Um, and then like I said, the game winner when when I was in Dallas after being out for so long and. Uh, to kick a 47-yarder uh, in New York uh, to put us uh, on top of the division, and I had no idea the rivalry the Giants and the Cowboys. I mean, how big it was because I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in Tampa. Our our rivals were Green Bay and Chicago at first, then we changed divisions. Now we're playing New Orleans and in Carolina, and now suddenly, I'm I'm kicking, you know, in in um, Giant Stadium trying to trying to beat the Giants. So. Uh,
2: that kick I'll never forget because, like I said, my, uh, my son was watching that on TV, and uh, I'll remember that one forever. Well, perfect. Well, that parlays us into our capstone question here. Over your career, what are the your five favorite stadiums that you've ever played in? Well, favorite, I have to say uh, the Buccaneer Stadium. That's the one that I have the
0: most uh, wonderful memories, and uh, our fans are phenomenal here in Tampa. Um, and then any any dome stadium, I, I like uh, kicking in Detroit uh for some reason i had really good success there uh new orleans uh, in the dome um and then uh, my rookie went to lambo field was not the easiest to kick in and i and i missed a big kick there but uh to be able to play there i believe it was uh my rookie we either it was either sunday night or monday night and i remember like it was yesterday It was uh, a little cold a little wet but uh but it was just so awesome to say that i'm playing the lambo field and then uh and then Soldier Field. That was, uh, that was pretty cool to play in that, too. Awesome. Nice. Well, that's, that, those are some interesting ones. We You know, the, our most popular one we've probably
3: heard is the Texans, Houston Texans Stadium. Um, and then the old the old San Diego Chargers Stadium. Did you have a chance to play any I think, Qualcomm? Did you ever play in that? Well, that's... That stadium I should have mentioned that one
0: number one we won the Super Bowl there so I should have said that one but <laughs> oh no, you're good I wasn't a big fan of the West Coast you know because I I, uh, I was a bit a routine guy and when they, they they throw that time change I was and I didn't like the fly so anytime we had a long flight I would stress
1: out so uh <laughs> so I like the uh, I like to stay close but, uh, but yeah then you had Dallas it was a fun stadium to play, and I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to play in every stadium except
0: Buffalo and uh, and Pittsburgh. Uh, so cool. uh, every okay, other cool. stadium, I had a chance to play. Not 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 some of the new ones now, but, but from our
3: era, I played in every stadium but those, those two. So well, at least I got one up on you, Martina. Um, my true freshman year at Ball State, we played at Pittsburgh and Steeler Stadium. Oh wow, nice, nice. Did yeah. you uh, did you kick in that
0: end zone that nobody can make kicks? <laughs> it's hard. So yeah, So mm-hmm. when I was warming up fifty yarders, kicking
3: that way, it just looks like a mile. It looks like you're kicking, like you're trying to kick a kickoff seventy yards. Wow. I don't I don't know if it's the the perception or what, but for some reason, and the grass was immaculate. We went there in September, so it was warm and. Uh, it was the grass was just perfect. Um, but I could see why, you know, kickers would talk about why it was the toughest place to kick at, then next thing you know you have Justin Tucker and, and all these cats that, that don't you know, it doesn't bother them and they kick, you know, sixty yard field goals and, and all that. But there's a there's actually a kicker out of Pit uh, uh, drawing a blank in his game but that's doing really well there and it's playing you know, um, that has kicked well at that stadium. But that's awesome, Martine. Uh, man, we've really enjoyed this this, uh, this talk, and we, we're glad you t- you were able to take an hour of your time away from your family to speak with us. We really appreciate that. And this has really just been a, a dream of ours to speak with you. You're, you know, a guy that we looked up to growing up in the kicking industry. So maybe maybe one day soon we can come down to South Florida and, and run a kicking camp with you, you know, maybe the brothers. Yes. Absolutely man if you guys are ever in Tampa, let me know we'll
0: have, we'll have a good time here and uh, no it's always, uh, my pleasure I really enjoyed it and it's always uh it's always fun talking to kickers that are that understand what we go through you know not too many people understand uh, the uh, the stress that, that we go through so it's always cool to, to chat with guys that do so uh no, it's my pleasure and I'm glad uh, glad you guys had me on I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, appreciate it, Martin. And uh, yeah, let's definitely stay in touch. And I'm sure Brian and I will be in Florida soon, so we'll definitely hit you up.
0: Absolutely, man. Let me know. I'll be I'll be around, guys. Great talking to you. Yep.
2: All, all right, right,
0: thanks, Martin. Let, let me know. Uh, let me know when it comes out. That way uh, we'll, we'll we'll promote it here too. Let's do it. Absolutely.
2: All right, thanks, all Martin.
0: Right, go Good night, man. Thank you, guys. You too. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. All right, Martin
3: Gramatica, man. What a special treat for all of us. Being able to hear on the Fourth Down Experience podcast, just another legend, guys. Like if if you guys just did more research on kickers and punters, like, and I'm sure I didn't do enough when I was coming through too. But Martin, he he's you know he's one of the guys that sometimes gets kind of forgot when you're talking about some of these other other legends. But he was a stud, man. Get you guys into YouTube, Martine Gramatica, 65 yard field goal, Kansas State. I mean, this guy, short stature, just like me, a little skinnier than me, just extreme leg whip. And you guys just need to check him out. He had a phenomenal career, nine years, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winner. Um, And it was just so special to get to talk to him, Chris.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. You know, just listening to some of his stories going through college made me reflect a lot about my experiences. And, you know, I didn't really pay attention to kickers too much. Until really either my senior year of high school or even part of college. But the Grammatica name, you know, it's like Madonna. You know, like like that era, you just hear that name. You just know he was a great kicker. It was a name that you remember from those days of football. So, you know, that was real cool. And, uh, you know, a thrill to have him on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening. You know, hopefully you guys are enjoying these. Uh, if you can share the interviews with your friends you know these are fun stories, fun teach- teachable moments and you know thanks again for all your continued support. Thanks guys yep later Thank you for listening to the fourth Down experience be sure to subscribe on iTunes follow us
0: on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at fourth Down
1: experience.